you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one. There's a couple on the back table there. We're going to be in what book? Philippians. Philippians. All right. So, how many of you, I'm just curious, how many of y'all are planning on dressing up on Sunday and like legitimately getting candy? You're not going to get candy, but you're going to dress up? How many of you, okay, maybe you don't do that now. How many of you used to like dressing up and getting candy? I know it gets a little bit harder as you get older. I, I don't know about you guys, but I always thought dressing up was pretty cool because you get to pretend to be somebody or something else, at least just for a couple hours. Where, and I've seen people, have y'all ever done this where you like put on a mask and you start doing and saying things that you wouldn't normally do and say? Yeah, show of hands, let's be honest. Okay, there's a couple of you. Everybody does that. Here's what I think though. The coolest costumes I think are the ones that that it's hard to tell there's a costume. You remember when you were a kid, maybe y'all didn't do this. I know this is true when I was a kid. You would get like those, those plastic costumes from the store and the mask was just this big plastic costume and you had this little like rubber band type strap that went behind your head. Did y'all ever have costumes like that? I mean, they look, you looked awesome as a kid. Now you look at them and think, that was cheesy. Those look bad. Because you could tell it was a costume, right? But the people, and you've seen people do this now, where they'll dress up and they'll do makeup and they'll do masks, and it looks legitimate. I mean, like they could be some of the characters out of the shows or movies that they're trying to be. And the amazing thing to me is how much time and effort is spent into putting on those masks. So that just for a couple hours, you can walk around and you can pretend to be something that you're really not on a daily basis. But I want to ask you guys a question. I want to ask you, what masks are you wearing on the days that aren't Halloween? Think about that for a second. We celebrate Halloween and we have a great time and we put on masks and we go get candy and and we pretend to be something we're not. But what about every other day of the year? What about in your daily life? Are you still wearing a mask even though it's not Halloween? And the reason I ask that is because there's a lot of us that do that especially, especially when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that wear masks when it comes to that. Because we want the world to think that we have our lives together. We want people at church to think that we're perfect. That we don't have any problems at home. That things aren't falling apart. That I'm not messing up. That I'm not failing at school. That I'm not doing bad everywhere else. We want people to think, especially in church and when it comes to other Christians, we put on that mask and say, everything is great. And yet, what we're going to look at tonight in the book of Philippians, Paul is talking about the different masks that people wear. But what he's talking about is the masks that people wear, the things that people cling to in their lives, and that's what they put their faith and trust in. You see, what Paul has told us over and over again in the book of Philippians is that our faith and trust needs to be in who? Jesus. Okay, if you ever get any answer right, that's the one time where you can say Jesus and the answer's right. That's that's what Paul says over and over. He says, put your faith and trust in Jesus, only in Jesus, and that's what you need to center your life on. But the problem is, there's going to be people, hey, listen up. Even if you don't want to hear what we're talking about tonight, be considerate for the people around you that might want to pay attention to what's going on, okay? What Paul's talking about here tonight is this idea that there were people in this early church in Philippi who were coming in and saying, and they were telling all the the, the believers, they were saying, put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you also need to do other things for, for you to be saved. You also need other things to trust in for your salvation. 
And guys, we're talking about that tonight because listen to me. Hey, every single one of us, we may willingly admit to be saved from our sin, we've got to put our faith and trust in Jesus. But I believe there's a lot of us that also cling on to some other things for our salvation. We say Jesus, but we say Jesus and. It's, it's kind of like this, and, and some of the adults, I want to see if you can finish this sentence in the room. There was a time, and I don't know if they still do this because I don't go there as much anymore, but if you went to McDonald's and it didn't matter what you ordered, when you got done, before they told you your, to- your total, they would say, would you like an... Anybody know it? What? Nope. You guys don't remember this? They, they would always say, would you like an apple pie with that? Every time I ever went to McDonald's as a kid, it didn't matter what I ordered. They always said, do you want an apple pie with that? Listen to me. Hey, it didn't matter what you ordered. You knew what you wanted when you went. And you asked specifically for what you wanted. But they always tried to get you to add that one more thing. The people that Paul's talking about in Philippians tonight when it comes to Jesus Christ, that's what they were doing. They were saying, hey, you need Jesus. Yes, that's good. That's great. That's what you need. But you also need to do this. You also need to have this in your life. You also need to hold on to this. And what Paul is trying to explain to him is that it's nothing but Jesus. That's all that you need. That is what he's look, That's what he's talking about as he walks through here. So let's do the questions real quick. Who wrote this book? Paul. Who helped him? Timothy. Okay. When do we believe he wrote it? 62 to 64 AD. Some, some believe 61 to 62, 62 to 64. Somewhere in the early 60s. That's perfect. Okay. Where do we believe he was when he wrote it? Jail. Okay. Now, what other two books do we think he wrote at the same time? (laughs) Ephesians and Colossians. That's right. Okay, so you guys are slowly getting these. Okay, who did he write this book to? Church at Philippi. And why did he write it? I love, I'm getting all the answers at one time. Yes, to encourage and to what? And to warn, okay? He's writing to encourage them to focus their lives on Christ. Remember, he's talking about keep Christ at the center because that's where you're going to have joy in your life. Remember, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness comes and goes. Joy in Christ never changes. He says that. Do you remember how many times he says the word joy or some form of it? 16 in four short chapters. In fact, we're going to see it tonight. And he's warning them because he wants them to see that what's happening in their church, what some of these people are coming in and saying, that's not what Scripture says. So tonight, I've asked Mr. Caden Evanson, come on up here, Caden. He's going to read for us. And you guys stand as we read the Scripture tonight. It's Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Y'all please give your attention to Mr. Caden. You got this. Is it on? Should be on. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in, the, in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. All right. Thank you, sir. Let me pray for us. Guys, we thank you. God, we thank you for today. God, again, we thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that we can spend some time in your word tonight. Lord, help us to see what it is Paul's explaining to this church and how it applies to us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of y'all started to clap. You can give it up for Caden for coming up here and doing that. All right. Hey, that's that can be a scary thing to get up here and be willing to read, but I want one of you guys to do that every single week. So if you're interested in doing that next week, let me know before you leave tonight. And we'll talk about that, okay? All right, so Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let's, let's walk through this and see exactly what Paul's saying. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. There's that word again. He keeps bringing that word up over and over. He says, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So Paul, Paul is telling them one more time. He's saying, hey, rejoice. Find your joy in God. Find your joy in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's written about so many different things in this book so far. He's written about suffering. He's written about his own possible death. He's written about unity in the church. And again, he's writing about having joy. And he's reminding them, hey, no matter what you face, no matter what your situation have joy in Christ. Your joy is not based in your circumstances. The joy in your life is not based on what happened good today and what happens good tomorrow or what went wrong today and what went wrong tomorrow. It's based in the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ because that's where joy comes from. And then Paul almost apologizes here because he's, he's starting to repeat himself. He says, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you, he says, hey, I'm, I'm repeating myself. I'm telling you again, rejoice, 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 rejoice in the Lord. But he says, there's the reason that I'm doing that. And he says, it's for their benefit. It's for their safety. Because he's, he's about to transition and talk about these people who are coming into the church who are teaching some false things. They're what was known as Judaizers. Have you guys ever heard that word before? No? Judaizers, these are the people that were coming in, they were professing Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they're saying you need to trust in Jesus and you need to do this thing. Okay? And what he was specifically talking about, it talks about mutilators of the flesh. That was a Jewish tradition, a Jewish ritual that identified the, the males in that culture as being part of God's people. And, and these people were coming in and they're saying, hey, put your faith and trust in Christ, but you also have to go through this ritual for it to be a legitimate thing, a legitimate decision that you've made. And Paul says, you need to watch out for those guys because that's, that's not what Scripture tells us. And, and look at the words he uses. He doesn't sugarcoat this. He calls them two different things. Do you see what he says there? He calls them, what's the first one? He calls them dogs. What else does he call them? Evildoers. He calls them dogs and evildoers. Just so you know, he's not being kind here. 
Okay? He, he's not saying, hey, you guys are awesome. He's saying, you need to stay away from these guys. They're jerks. They're, they're, they're causing problems for you. And the reason he uses that term dogs, if, if you go through and you look at the Jewish culture during that time, according to Jewish law, there were some animals that were unclean to eat. So what Paul is basically saying here is, is, well, that's what Jewish people would refer to as Gentiles because Gentiles did not stick to that Jewish law. Gentiles were anybody that wasn't Jewish. So they would eat the things that Jewish people considered unclean. So Jewish people would call Gentiles dogs because they were basically comparing them to literal dogs who would eat just anything and they didn't care if it was clean or dirty. So that's what Paul is referencing here when he calls these guys dogs. He said, you need to look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers who mutilate the flesh. He's saying, don't don't trust these guys. Because what they're telling you is, yes, Jesus is good, but they're also telling you that you've got to go through this ritual, this ceremony, and that's the only way that you can have true salvation. And that's not what God's Word says. These Judaizers believed that they were holier, that they were closer to God than other people because they had done, not just put their faith and trust in Christ, but they had gone through this process, these works. They had done something to get them closer to God. And Paul says, hey, we all may have the same outward appearance, but the outward appearance isn't what salvation comes through. The ritual, the ceremony, the things that we do, that's not how we experience salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not dependent on anything that we do. It's dependent on Him and Him alone. In fact, he goes through, in the next three verses, he starts to list out what I talked about earlier, the masks. He starts to list out what so many people put their faith and trust in besides Jesus Christ to say, I'm a good Christian. This is how I'm forgiven of my sin. And Paul does an incredible thing here. He actually makes it very personal. He says, hey, church at Philippi, if I chose to, these are the masks that I could hide behind. These are the masks that I have hidden behind. And Paul begins to list those out for us. Look at what he says here, starting in verse 4. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul's saying, hey, they think they're holy because they're saying Jesus and I could top every one of them. Because I've done the Jesus thing, but I've also done all of these other things. Look at what he says. He says, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's basically saying, if we have an argument about salvation, and you want to say it's salvation and anything else, I've got every one of you beat because I've got all of these anything else things covered. And he's pointing to those things and and he walks through and and let's just walk through what some of these are. The first one is he's saying that some people hang their salvation on ritual. Some people put on that mask of ritual. He says right there, circumcised on the eighth day, as I talked about a minute ago, this was a, a tradition, a ceremony that Jewish males went through and it was a sign of the Old Testament covenant that God made with Abraham and the Israelite nation. This was their part where God said, I will be your God and you will be my people. This is what they did. Now, we don't have that as a ritual ceremony that everybody practices today to say that I'm a Christian. 
But we do have some things that happen in church that some people will say, hey, if I do this, it will make me a Christian. For instance, some people get baptized for the wrong reasons. Because as we've talked about in here before, your baptism is simply an outward picture of what Christ has done inside of you. That water that people get baptized in, it's bath water. It's tap water. You could put it in a squirt gun and shoot everybody. You could drink it. I wouldn't, but you could. Now, don't do the squirt. Like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But there's nothing special about that water. It's not holy water. It's simply telling everyone, I'm following Christ now. But there are some people that believe that they have to put their faith and trust in Christ, but they're not truly forgiven or saved until they get baptized. That's not what we teach in this church. But there are people today, just like then, that hang their salvation on ritual. There's some people that hang it on their race. Paul says he is of the people of Israel. This is a reference to his ancestry here. He was Jewish by birth. And according to the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they were God's chosen people. Paul is a descendant of Abraham, the man that God made his covenant with that started this whole ritual thing. And, and unfortunately, we've seen that play out through history across the world where one race, one nationality has said, we are God's chosen people. Therefore, you have to bow and do what we say. And there's people today that hang their salvation on that. But Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. He says he's of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul's talking about his social standing. Not just his popularity, but, but, but where he stands, his importance in society. The tribe of Benjamin was the most prominent of the 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. Jacob in the Old Testament, which by the way, I keep talking about Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Well, their moms did, but they were the fathers. Okay. If you go back and you read through the Old Testament, Jacob, Abraham's grandson, had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And if you follow through and look at the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin keeps rising to the top as one of importance. In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you see that when the promised land, when Moses brought the Israelite people out of Egypt into the promised land, when you look at the way the land was divided between the 12 tribes, the holy city of Israel was in the tribe of Benjamin's property. When you look at the history of the nation of Israel, when they got their first king, King Saul, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Same ancestry. What Paul is saying here is, guys, my social background, my family history, I've, I've got clout. I'm up here. You, you want to talk about my place in society? Paul's saying, I've got the high place in society. And he's saying, I could hang my salvation on that. And the fact is, sometimes we cling to the same thing. Sometimes yeah, the, the church I grew up in is the same church my dad grew up in. Is the same church my grandparents were there. They didn't grow up there, but they were there. It's the same church my great-grandfather went to. I could stay there and say, that, that's, that's my family church and have a lot of clout there. Some of you in here, you can't really see them right now, but there's names on every one of these stained glass windows. There may be some of you in here that your family's names are on these windows. 
And sometimes we will cling to, we will hang our salvation on our social standing of who everyone thinks we are instead of just putting it strictly and solely in Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He talks about being a Hebrew of Hebrews. This is tradition. This kind of goes back to the same thing, the, the heritage where he's clinging to the idea that he is of the Israelite people. He is of the tribe of Benjamin. He is of this nationality. And then he says, as to the law of Pharisee, he says some people, they hang their salvation on that mask of religion. For Paul, he was a religious man. So much so that he chose to become a Pharisee, which was the strictest religious group there was. The, these were the people that were extremely devoted to keeping every last detail of not just the Jewish law, but also the Jewish tradition that had been added to the original law. I mean, they, they, they are the ones who, they, like everybody went to, for those of you that have been here on Sunday nights and you've been watching that TV show with us as we talk about what we're seeing and there's biblical and what's not, there's a guy named Nicodemus. He's, he's in that group. He's, these are the teachers. These are the people that everybody comes to because they're the ones who know God better than everybody else. Paul says, I am one of those guys. And yet, as you follow Jesus in the New Testament, Almost every time he has an encounter and he goes after the religious people, you know who he's going after? The Pharisees. Because they hung their relationship with God on their status as being more religious than anybody else. And when we do that, we claim to be able to, to, to do all the right things, to say all the right things because we're religious enough. And so that's what's going to save us instead of it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to save us. We can do all the right things, but if we do all the right things for the wrong reasons, it means nothing. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, Paul had passion. In his pursuit of God, he was passionate. He was all in. And that total 100% commitment to his pursuit of God led him to be passionate about wiping out Christianity. He did all the right things and he was excited about it. And yet in his excitement, he was going about it completely the wrong way. And the crazy thing is, he thought he was doing it for God the entire time. In fact, Jesus even said it was going to happen. In, in John 16, 2 and 3, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus' words, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. When Paul went after the Christians, Paul actually believed with everything in him that he was doing what God had called him to do. And yet Jesus says right there, when people do that, they do it because they don't even know who God is. We, we can hang our salvation on all of the things that we do for God and how passionate we are for God and do everything with so much excitement because we're so happy to be serving God, yet that passion can be misdirected the way it was for Paul. But he doesn't stop there. Paul's got all kinds of masks going on here. He says, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is the mask of legalism. This, this is where Paul did everything that a good Jew was supposed to do. 
He did what everybody expected. He checked all the boxes. He did everything that the law demanded. And he could have said, that is where my salvation lies because I've done all of the right things. And sometimes we hide behind that same mask because we check off all the boxes. Went to life group on Sunday morning, check. Went to 11 o'clock service, check. Put my money in the offering box, check. Went on a mission trip, check. Hey, actually read my Bible this week, check. And we hang our hat on that. And we think that if everybody sees us doing the right things, if we've gone through all the right motions, then we're going to be okay with God. Then, then our salvation is secure. And yet look at what Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 7, the very next one. He said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, you, you think you've got reason to say that you've got salvation, that God has forgiven you of your sins because you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've done this ritual. Paul has gone through this whole list and he said, I've got every one of you topped. I've done all of these things. I can rely on every one of these. But then he turns right around in that verse and he says, but all of those things when compared to Christ, they are nothing. Every one of those masks, every one of those things that we can point to and say, look what I did. Look who I am. Look how well I was today when it comes to my relationship and making sure that God knew I did all the right things. And that everybody saw it. Paul says all of those things, it's, it's rubbish. It's loss. It pales in comparison to who Jesus Christ is. All of those masks, those same ones that we hide behind that make us look and feel important, especially around other Christians because it gives us the appearance of being a good Christian. Every single one of those fail when you hold them up to Jesus Christ. And then he continues, verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ for righteousness from God, that, for the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He says, everything I could hang my hat on, every bit of it is a loss. Not because it's bad, not because it's wrong, but because it's nothing when you compare it to the surpassing worth of knowing who Jesus is. Paul's saying, you got to take all of these things, all, all of that pride, all of that dependence that you have on all of these other things, and you've got to set them down and trust solely and completely 100% in Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Because that is how we experience salvation from our sins. It's only through Jesus that anyone can experience salvation. It's only through His death, burial, and resurrection that we can know that we've been forgiven. Guys, it's only when we stop playing the game that so many of us play and putting on the smile when we walk into church and doing all of the right things and checking all the boxes. It's only when we come to that point that we are done playing that game and we take off the mask that we can understand the relationship we need with Jesus Christ. 
Think about that for a second. Every single one of us in this room, you've walked into church at least one time, maybe even in the last week, wearing a mask. And I'm not talking about Halloween anymore. You've put on the mask of everything's okay. You've put on the mask of I'm doing all the right things so nobody knows what I'm really like inside. You've put on the mask to try to hide the brokenness that you know is inside of you. And it's only when we take those masks off, it's only when we get real and look at who God is and look at what Jesus has done that we begin to see how desperately we need salvation through Him and Him alone. How much He loves us. The grace and the mercy that He shows us. That's why Paul keeps writing here in verse 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We talk about at Easter, Jesus rose from the grave and a lot of people are like, whoo, great, let's go hunt eggs. But there's power in his resurrection. There's power that brings life. It moves us from sin and death and darkness to forgiveness and light. That's what Paul's talking about here. And he's saying, you can't get that through anything else that you might try to cling to. You got to take the masks off and cling to Jesus and Jesus only because it's only through his resurrection that you will ever experience the forgiving power of God. He continues that verse, he says, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the, right, the resurrection from the dead. Paul had the right pedigree, and he was on the right path on his own, but it was not enough for salvation. He had to experience an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because righteousness that he talks about, forgiveness that he talks about, salvation that he talks about, only come through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you the question I asked at the beginning. What mask do you need to take off tonight? What, what is it, like Paul listed all of these things, what is it you're trusting in for your salvation besides Jesus? Yeah, great, you say you believe in Jesus. James tells us even the demons believe in Jesus and they tremble. That's awesome, good job, proud of you. But what else are you holding on to? What is the mask that you are showing everyone to say, I'm a good Christian that is keeping you from fully trusting in Jesus? Is it your family heritage? Because salvation from your sin doesn't come from who your family is. Your faith is not dependent upon your parents' faith. You're not saved because they raised you in church, because you've been in Sunday school your entire life, because you can say all the right answers when somebody asks you a question about God and you say, Jesus, and it's actually the right answer. That doesn't save you. Your heritage, your family, that's not where it comes from. Is it religion for you? Maybe you play the part really well every week in church. But the things that you do don't save you from your sin. Only Jesus does that. Maybe it's your passion that you've been hanging your hat on. 
you are excited about serving God. You can't wait to get out there on Friday night and give those kids candy and have fun. You've got a passion to serve. But in that excitement, that passion never transfers over to pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. I said Friday night, didn't I? I meant Sunday night. All of those things, guys, they're good things. But every one of them can be a crutch. Every one of them can be a mask that we put on and we cling to so that we don't actually have to cling to Jesus Christ. And my question for you is, which one of those masks do you need to take off tonight? You walked in this room maybe playing the good Christian. You walked in this room thinking, you know what? I've been in church my entire life. I'm good. But you've never actually put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've never let go of those things and said, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me of my sin. And I want to pursue you with the rest of my life. That's what Paul's talking about here. All of those other things are just going to leave you wearing a mask, pretending something you are not. When what you really need is a relationship with Jesus. And you can do that tonight. And if you want to do that tonight, when the music starts, I'm going to be standing up here. Come talk to me. Or talk to one of the other adults in this room. Because they would love to help you and walk you through that decision. Stop wearing the masks. Start being real about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your son. Thank you for your word. And God, scripture tells us they're one and the same. God, I pray right now that you help every single one of us in this room, God. Every single one of us. Help us to lay down the masks. Help us not to cling to anything else but Christ. God, help us to be real. God, I pray right now that if there's anybody in here tonight that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you'll give them the courage, the boldness to come talk to one of these adults tonight. to make the most important life-changing decision that any one of us will ever make. God, help us to get real before you and real with each other and to cling to your son, Jesus, and nothing else for our salvation. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.